Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Lee. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. So, Fred, I'm stepping in for Ant this week, and why don't you tell our listeners who we're speaking to? <laughs> we are speaking to Wally from Little Monster Media, who is one of the smartest people in the world when it comes to audience development and YouTube. And he's got some very interesting stuff to say. Figuring out new ways to use your library. Understand that your library is an asset. It's not done. Even if it's very time-specific content, you have value in every bit of that. Hey, uh, before we get started, if you like this podcast that we've put together for you, please let us know on Apple Podcasts by leaving a review. We'd love to hear what you think about it. All right. To quote Ant, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Wally, welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> nice to have you, mate. And uh, look, um, best way we do this is we like to get the uh, guests to introduce themselves so we don't sort of make a hash of it. Uh, oh, man, I was looking forward to you, like, trying to stumble through what you <laughs> might have remembered from the, all the times we've talked and whatever LinkedIn things you found. Um, fine, I'll do it. Uh, I'm Wally. Uh, I uh, have been working in the digital media digital creator space for uh, over a decade now. I've uh, been around the block in terms of uh, lots of different places, uh, MCNs, working with independent creators, um, several uh, of the largest ones of those, um, digital publishers, working with people who are making content uh, as a business on different social platforms. Uh, and, uh, and I've worked with traditional media entertainment uh, entities as well, people who are uh, existing in the world of content creation outside of digital media and are trying to uh, sort of make uh, waves and grow audiences within uh, within these sort of walls. Um, and these days, I do all of this uh, at a company called Little Monster Media, uh, co-founded or founded by uh, Matt Geelan, um, who has been on the show before. A wonderful expert on breaking down all things YouTube. Uh, and I'm bringing uh, my perspective to the table, uh, working with our clients, uh, specifically, you know, understanding you know, the how and why of how algorithms and different things work. Um, so we can put together strategies that are more based around, uh, you know, understanding what unique thing you can give your audience to build an audience and not just, you know, get a bunch of viewership. Because there is a fundamental difference between audience and viewership. You know, one is something you can build a business off of and have people continually coming back to talk to you. The other is just a vanity number underneath the video. Mm. And so we're gonna we're gonna get into that because there's some interesting things around that we want to ask you. Uh, but just before we start, like, was this something you always wanted to do? Did you think you know I want to be in audience development and and you know know about algorithms or would you are you a fan of video? Yeah, well, that's a very interesting question. Um, and I often say that I have had an incredibly specific and linear career path. I've always known what I wanted to do from where I'm at now, dating back, you know, to a, uh, a crisp June summer afternoon in 1993, when I knew in the bottom of my heart, I wanted to be an archeologist <laughs> and I can trace that path directly <laughs> from, from that point to where I am today. Uh, and, uh, and I feel uh, blessed to have uh, been struck so early um, with, you know, wanting to, you know, talk to people um, and, uh, and, and also having the uh, sort of the foresight, to understand that following your dreams, following your passions isn't about, oh, I want to do this one crazy thing. And if I don't do it, then I failed. Uh, it's about understanding what it is that you want to accomplish and then rolling with all the punches life gave you. 
um, to, to actually give that story. Um, when I saw Jurassic Park for the first time as a little kid, it, uh, it, it, it struck me in, in such, a, such a way that I had no words for. I couldn't explain it. Um, and at the time, I processed it as, oh, I want to be an archaeologist. I want to be just like those guys. Um, and then you know, through life and through everything, you know, you start to understand it. And, oh, no, I want to be an actor because that's the people I was looking at. And, oh, wait. I don't see Tom Cruise in the mirror. I want to be a comedian because they're funny uh, and I could be funny. And then, then that turns out, Oh wait, no, I don't want to be on camera. I want to be a director and now I want to be the boss. And then I'm like, I want to be the boss and I got to be the producer, not the director. And just all the, like literally every job you could possibly have. I spent 10 minutes thinking that was my destiny and that's what I wanted to do and wanted to be the best at it. Um, and ultimately I landed on editor because uh, in school, you know, you sort of have to pick a direction. And I thought it was really clever uh, thinking you never hear of the starving editor. Um, so m- must be if I'm good at that, I'll always have work. Um, jokes on me. You don't hear about the starving editor because no one cares about the editors um, uh, in life. So that was uh, that was difficult. But as an editor, I spent some time working freelance and I was you know assistant editor on a drag racing show, uh, Cars, not Queens. Um, and the... Uh, I eventually uh, knocked on the door of a place that was you know, making YouTube videos, uh, video games, uh, how to let's play kind of stuff. Um, and this entrepreneur guy um, put together a brilliant team of young people who were making YouTube content, excellent YouTube content. Um, so that uh, that sort of was my first introduction to it as a career path. You know, I was literally trying to beat Angry Birds, three stars, every level, and putting that on YouTube um, and sitting with the peers that I had, um, recognizing some of the extreme talent that was in that group. I mean, you know, there was a who's who of of video game people there. Um, You know, almost all of the starting team from Smosh Games was in that group. You know, people that ended up going to Machinima and IGN and and all this sort of stuff. Um, And uh, I realized that they're really good on camera, but we're all kind of stabbing in the dark at how to do any of this stuff. So I wanted to uh, take it upon myself to learn how to do this stuff, you know, be an expert, help all of these talented people just be funny and talented and not spend, you know, 15 hours on where do I put the thumbnail logo? Where, what edit do I need to do to increase, you know, whatever we're trying to increase. Um, and, uh, and so I started learning the ins and outs and out of there, uh, I then spent some time sort of taking a hiatus. I went to new Orleans for like six months and just studied digital video web series and what was big. I mean, this is 2009, 2010. So YouTube had just started, um, and really, this was a time period where people were starting to understand how do we actually build businesses on YouTube, you know, web series that aren't just here's a fun thing we did, but here's a media company that we're creating. Um, and so I studied all of that uh, and then came back to L.A. You know, on vacation. I was actually coming to Comic-Con one year um, and then got one foot on the ground, smelled the air. And I'm like, I can't ever leave here again. (laughs) So LA is where I needed to be. Um, And then as kismet and luck would have it, there was a job opening at maker studios that presented itself almost immediately. Uh, I mean, it took me six months to get the job because maker studios is 
a lovely run was a lovely run company that had everything on on the ball but <laughs> despite that it was an amazing end and so essentially the six months was my crash course my education my bachelor's degree in online video as you say and then uh maker was my master's degree that's where i i feel like i got a full understanding because I got to see the inside behind the scenes. Um, you know, Ray William Johnson's channel, the number one channel at the time, you know, I was uh, amongst the first to track the growth of PewDiePie from, you know, successful channel all the way to, you know, his impending number one status. Um, you know, being able to look at, you know, the, the data around, you know, epic rap battles and, you know, the, the different, you know, vloggers like Shay Carl and Kasim G and, and all these people, it really gave me a deep understanding of, you know, the other side of the coin. And that's when I ended up jumping over to um, Collective Digital Studio, which is now Studio 71. Um, and that's where they sort of gave me the keys to build something, you know, build a team, build uh, an optimization slash best practice slash operations hub for their their uh, MCN, which at the time was very boutique, but they wanted to grow. And, uh, and that's sort of what got me into this. Um, all again, all of it trackable to, you know, seven-year-old me thinking that, you know, being an archaeologist means you get to probably meet dinosaurs one day, uh, all the way to uh, working at MCNs and then a career that spanned, you know, those places and, and more and, and some really incredible, you know, opportunities to learn and, and work with some of the most talented people on the planet, both traditional media, you know, digital first media, independent creators um, and, uh, and, 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 work on what my core ethos has always been continues to be. And, and I always grow into it. Uh, and that's help and empower creative people to be the best versions of themselves, because we all have it in us to do something cool and creative and, and amazing. And too often we get uh, bogged down in a lot of like the rat race or, you know, right now there's a lot of people who are bending over backwards to understand the, um, the algorithm and, and what do they need to do to get all the views? And it's like, I, I want to get people out of their heads. Get, stop thinking about that. Don't beg for engagement because if you're begging for engagement, you're not getting the right engagement anyway. You know, do the right things for your audience and the rest follows, man. And you should obviously know what's going on with the algorithm. You should strategize and you should always have a plan, but don't, don't go chasing. And I think that, uh, I've been successful in instilling that, you know, sense of opportunity in, in, in creators of all types. Um, and, uh, and that's what I want to continue to do. Well, I'm interested in that actually, because when you say, you know, don't go chasing the audience, is that something though, that needs to be tailored per creator? In other words, is there a, is there a one fits all approach that helps someone know how to do that? How do you get someone to work that out? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. I'm, I think anything that anyone can say as a strategy or as a best practice um, is a one size fits one. You know, there's, you know, it's all very unique and all specific. And I, when I'm looking at things like, you know, you know, trying to understand what's going on with the channel, thinking about an optimization report, there might be a lot of very similar things from one to the next, but I always look at it as what is the goal of this channel first and foremost? And like, are you trying, trying to just talk to people? Are you trying to build audience or are you trying to build a business? Because those have two very different sort of bottom lines. Uh, and then once you kind of have that trajectory, that sort of 
uh, sort of plotted in, you then have the opportunity to then start peeling away. And there are a hundred ways to do absolutely everything. You want to generate uh, more audience retention? Um, here's 20 different things to do. And and where it has to come from is it has to come from the creator because oftentimes there's not like a Band-Aid that, that a optimizer can come in and put on a channel. The creator has to come up with something that, matters that's a that works um i'm deeply impressed these days with the people who are doing in video sort of ad reads but making their own commercials like that are funny and creative and interesting and that to me is like the perfect example of taking a form and, and structure that everyone has to do you could do it the way that uh, the majority of people do it, which is the eye roll. Oh, I have to do this. Here's my sponsor, blah, 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 feed the machine. Or you can have fun with it and and own it. And I think those people are going to have the most success. And I think you, if you, if you want to look back at some historical examples of this, I mean, there's a reason why Rhett and Link is still as vital to the YouTube you know, ecosystem today as they were a decade ago. Uh, and, you know, that is rare to have that kind of lasting power. And they do because they kind of take everything internally and think about it, their strategies on how they can interact with their audience in a way that's authentically Rhett and Link, that's never, you know, you know, pandering or talking down to them. It's just, you know, we are who we are. And, you know, they still chased a lot of dragons themselves. They tried to do a TV show. They tried to do, they're currently doing the daily show. They first were a, a like a once a week or once every couple of weeks, you know, premium video channel. Then they had a secondary vlog channel. Like they've tried all the stuff and, and, and not chasing doesn't mean not trying and not experimenting. YouTube is an amazing platform for experimentation um, with very little negative impacts. Uh, as long as you're reading the signs appropriately that you're getting. Um, and, uh, but it but it does mean not listening to that little part of you that says this rat race needs to be played a certain way because it's just fundamentally not true there's every every type of creator has been successful and every type of person every type of thing you can create has been attempted with people with all of the the right material and all the right perspective and strategy and they still fail and it's not they fail because you know, it wasn't right or some of those things were wrong, they fail because there is an intangible quality. It's almost like there's that balance between art and science. And in the digital space uh, with algorithms and AIs and, and these platforms are so tech oriented, I feel like we way too often lean heavy into the science side, but the art side is so important too. Like you, there is an art to you know, being a person who gets on camera and gets excited about dumpster diving game stops and pulling the bags out of the dumpster and opening them on camera and literally getting hundreds of thousands of views. There is no science that would have led you to that content. It is all instinct and gut and, and that feeling of this entertains me or this excites me. Truly, it must be the same for other people. Is that a hard thing to sort of convey? Because people are coming to you, obviously, to get help in that space and for you to then say look this isn't a formula this is ultimately about connecting people because people connect right and that that sort of exactly what you just said there it's it's actually inspiring right because it means that anyone who goes in with the right thought process creating connecting can can achieve success here it's not like you know the the, the one percenters that have the you know inborn skill to do it like this is something that people can do if they just think about how am i going to connect with my with my audience 
I think absolutely. I, I think it's amongst the hardest messages to get across, mostly because there's no perfect way to get the message across because it is about you have to inspire someone and there's no right way to inspire someone. Someone that what I all just said, there could be a tech head, a, a number junkie, someone with Excel spreadsheets out the butt who was demoralized by saying that it's not just that it's it's there's this other part of it, too. So I think it's understanding, you know, your audience. And, and when I say that, like me talking to people, it's understanding who I'm talking to. Um, you know, there's a difference between trying to convey that to a CMO at a movie studio versus trying to convey that to a legacy YouTuber who's been on the platform for a decade. You know, the the goal isn't necessarily, you know, always to inspire with it, but sometimes it's it's too uh, it's too free. It's to you know take the chains off. It's to say to the person like, don't bind yourself to this expectation. Um, you know, some clients and some people who are looking for help have needs and goals that they have to hit. Bottom lines that must be met, and you know there are strategies for that, and and we can build towards that. And 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 I will say like, listen. You know, the results are the results and they speak for themselves and we have lots of success growing lots of audience. So I'm not saying that this is all a crapshoot, but you have to understand that what we're doing isn't a light switch. It's 700 levers and pulleys and little buttons. And we're going to try to find the perfect blend of all of these different little things that resonate the most with your current and your future audience. Um, and, you know, that is a, that is a process that does, you don't always get a hockey stick off the first month. And sometimes even if you do get a hockey stick, that doesn't mean that it's great. You know, just cause you get an influx of new audience. Like the, 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 the view isn't the win. The view is the starting point. So you, we have to find opportunity to to really connect and convert, you know, the audience into someone who cares about the content. And, you know, I think you're seeing it a lot with what YouTube is saying publicly about, you know, audience loyalty and churn and all this stuff. These are just other ways to say people that are willing to come back, people that are following your channel um, and are, are, are not just swayed by the algorithm, but like, oh, it's Tuesday. I'm going to go look at a new video by this this channel. That action is amongst the most valuable, and it's starting to become like a tangible action that the algorithm can can measure. Um, and you know, you don't earn that with you know a thumbnail that's got you know a 25% blue eye and you know a yellow background because they're complementary colors or whatever. You get that because you've put something out into the world that they've committed some of their time to and then they were rewarded for committing that time by enjoying the content. And it, whether it's the format or your personality or your subject matter, something connected. And if you have something else for them to watch that they'll connect to, then you can start building that long-term relationship with that, that audience. And, uh, and that's where success lies is, is in that Valley, not in like, you know, a perfectly positioned video that gets seen by everybody. Like awesome. Woo. Like, a viral video is always going to be exciting to see, but it's incredibly difficult to build off of a viral video. I can't tell you how many channels I've tried to help where they've had one giant hit and then cannot for the life of them figure out how to generate regular viewership. They have huge subscriber numbers. They still get lots of monthly views because of the one hit, but nothing converts elsewhere. And a big part of that is because they 
have put out something that connects in a certain way, but it doesn't connect with everything else they make. And so they don't have that bridge to bring people in. And ultimately they're just always going to flounder. You can scrape out some pennies off that AdSense with the, the viral hit all long-term, but you know, uh, very few media empires were built off one spark of a viral video and then no connective tissue to get people to be excited beyond just that content. You, you, you talked about those, obviously there's, you know, there are a bunch of levers you've, you've got to pull together. Um, well, you know, it makes complete sense. We can, everyone's looking for like that, you know, that, that, that magic bullet kind of thing that's going to get them right to where they need to be. But it, it is a combination of things, but uh, you know, you've been around for a, a while in, in the course of, you know, YouTube's history. How has those strategies changed over time? Have, have there been distinct changes in strategies as YouTube's plotted along? Oh, a hundred percent. The, uh, I mean, a lot of it's based on the algorithm. So what the algorithm cares about, you know, uh, is always changing. Uh, I mean, the biggest obviously was when the shift to, uh, audience retention and watch time and session time over clickability. Um, cause I mean, that almost overnight completely shifted how people had to think about, um, you know, this sort of content and, and these platforms. Um, but, uh, but I even mentioned it a little bit right now, the conversation at YouTube is about audience loyalty and churn. Um, when a year ago, the answer to that would have been, you know, retention time and, and keeping people on. And while it's probably functionally a very similar thing to be focused on um, building around loyalty now, and some of the things they're saying, um, seem to be focusing less on qu- uh, quantity and, and continual, like, uh, keep telling the algorithm, yes, I want to see more of this content by watching more, con- more and more content and more about identifying audience based on how they watch specific pieces of content and making sure they're serviced your stuff when it comes out, which will be a great boon to animation channels, high production value channels, places that need uh, more time in between pieces of content and right now are really struggling. Whereas video game content or, um, you know, unboxings, reacts, stuff that could be turned around instantaneously, um, you know, that, and you can have so much content come out and come out and come out. Um, Like they're sort of, got a, a bit of an advantage right now and, and and it's a built advantage it's it it's it is valuable to youtube that you watch an hour long you know magic the gathering video instead of three two minute animation videos and then move on but that has a negative effect on the content creator ecosystem uh and i think that the perfect balance in the future is going to be a place where uh the algorithm is not so obtuse that uh, that people aren't banging their heads against the wall, um, but uh, but still has all of the flexibility and growth and evolution that uh, allows people to, to sort of shift over time into different sort of perspectives. Um, because frankly, if you look at what was huge content six years ago, five years ago, four years ago, every year, you know, uh, the YouTube uh, rewinds used to be great videos because they would give you that little flavor of that year. Uh, not so much anymore, but the, uh, if you look back at those years, you will see tons of, uh, of different types of content that seemed like they were ruling the world at the time. And if you look at it today, you know, 
not as much. Uh, and and you'll see a lot more niches. You'll see a lot more successful channels that have 10,000 subscribers, but they're, uh, you know, a, a sports cards business and they have a Patreon and do live unboxings on their YouTube channel. Um, and, you know, that's actually a marketing service because every box they unbox is paid for by an audience. So they're not actually, you know, using it to make money all and they are making a little bit of money on AdSense and sponsorship. Uh, they're using it as a retail tool um, to uh, to move more product. And that to me is incredibly intriguing and, and, and inventive and, and smart and, you know, didn't exist two or three years ago um, and exists only now because of that perfect conflux of what YouTube cares about for a platform uh, and how that content feeds into it. And then you know, the uh, advent of Patreon, the uh, the ability of audience trust to talk about either subscription-based services or, or one-off, you know, purchases based on, you know, stuff that you could see on video. And, uh, and it, and it's evolution that could never happen if, if the algorithm doesn't keep changing. So, you know, I know a lot of people are just like, tell us what it is and leave us alone. But it always has to keep changing because that's how you get in innovation uh, across the board. Um, and, you know, the hope is that, you know, every time a change gets made, you know, we as a, as a community, as an industry should be spending much more time trying to identify creative and successful innovation and lauding it and supporting it and, and, and ideating and iterating off of it, uh, as opposed to, you know, running around like, you know, chickens with their heads cut off, trying to find the way to break this algorithm or, oh, you know, it's community tab this week and it's going to be really important. And, oh, wait, no, shorts. Shorts are going to be great. Maybe, possibly. I would love for shorts to be a new way to, to communicate on YouTube, but, uh, but that's that chase that does that doesn't make sense. And you know, individually, uh, people do it, and then as an industry, we we do it too. Like you know, I whenever I do like VidCon or any of these you know sort of larger industry events, um, I always tell people like, there's no information I have that's proprietary. I want you all to have it so we can all be smarter together, and then be having different, cooler, better conversations at the next event. Um, and that's probably, you know, like counting the sand on the beach, you know, not a goal that could ever actually come to fruition. Um, but, uh, but it's a direction I like to point with it because I think that it, uh, you know, if at least one person takes something smart away from it and then can iterate and try and do their own thing with it, then I think it's a net positive all around for the community. Well, it's really interesting that you say that it sounds like there are some fairly common mistakes that people who come to you. Uh, or traps maybe that people fall into, these misconceptions. You know, for example, what do I need to do to earn success? Do you find that when people come to you, and you're obviously going to have a lot of different types of channels, are there some things that people repeatedly are asking for the same kind of answers, which they're not necessarily there for you to give? In other words, you have to sort of redirect their thought process a little bit with what, what success means and how do you actually find success? Absolutely. Uh, I think there's a lot of things. And I, and I do not begrudge a single person who is laboring under its importance because i mean on one hand half the industry of people who are trying to help other people on these platforms are selling the like oh you need this thumbnail thing you need this retention time we'll get your click-through rate up four percent like all the like it's, it's almost like snake oil and uh and so there's a lot of stuff and and that's actually a uh, a, a rather aggressive thing to say. I don't mean like there are bad actors. It's just, there's a lot of things to sell and there's a lot of people that are, uh, that, you know, 
get it across more simply and then it's taken simply and and not it's, it's you're not leading anyone to 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 the the water to fish and there's just no analogy here so i'm going to jump into the answer um <laughs> No, the answer is is very simply yes. Um, there's always stuff that comes up, and I don't begrudge anybody for it. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people uh, have struggle with them, labor under these impressions. Um, first and foremost, I the answer I hate giving the most because it's the lamest answer in the world, and I know it. Uh, but when people ask me how long a video needs to be, <laughs> and I tell them as long as it has to be, uh, which is like the matrix level dodge of an answer. Like there is, you are not giving any answer whatsoever that that person who asked that question wants. Um, so I always have to, you know, keep going with it to express that, you know, uh, video links are uh, incredibly important right now. Uh, you know, but what's important isn't that you hit a 10 minute marker. Um, what's important is that people watch as much of the video as possible and then are, directed to another piece of content and they're most often easily directed to more content if they watched fully and enjoyed the first piece. So, you know, if you have a video that's five ish minutes long and you try to bump it up to 10 because you want to have mid roll breaks. And so you put a bunch of filler in it or, you know, stuff that obviously probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. You are yes, increasing your total watch time. Uh, Your, uh, your, your view durations overall are going to go up. Um, but it's not necessarily better for the channel to have that. Um, and so, you know, it's a balance that we, that we always want to play. And, and I always tell people like, look, the most important thing is getting people to the end of the video. And the best way to do that is to make it a great video. And, and sometimes making great content means it's got to be quick. It's got to be shorter. It's got to get to the point. Sometimes length is great. I mean, some of my favorite channels right now are uh, channels that do a 50 minute video of, of, deep diving and dissecting a topic. And those videos need to be exactly, I would take it if they were twice as long and watch them all the way through. Um, so, so that's something that comes up just all the time. Um, and, and I have to keep answering that way. And, and unfortunately, I, I don't think that answer is ever going to change no matter what happens in terms of the, you know, the platform. Uh, I mean, maybe some specificity of like, Oh, I want to do mid rolls. Yes. You need videos of X length. It needs to be this long. Oh, I want to you know, get good in YouTube shorts. If that becomes a thing. Yes. It's gotta be 15 seconds or whatever. Like, like there's going to be like, structural answers to that. Um, but when you're, when you're making content, man, like, you know, it, it, if, if the people creating it don't have a purpose, a reason, a desire to share it, then it's going to be very difficult to get people to like really engage with it the, the way that they do other content. Um, and, and you're just not going to win by like targeting the length first. I feel like if you're, if you're targeting the length first, you've kind of already lost. Uh, it's not to say that, you know, you can't say I want to make a 10 minute video and that 10 minute video ends up being baller. Uh, it just means that your head is probably in the wrong starting position. So right. what I mean, what is a good starting position for, you know, a new creator or a creator who maybe trying to establish himself on the platform? Like what should those first questions be um, when they went trying to you know build and develop an audience? If you're just starting out right now, you need to be brutally honest with, your, with yourself about a couple key things. What audience do you really want? 
you know, answering this question will allow you to figure out, do you need to be in a specific niche? Do you need to uh, focus your content? Do you need to be broad with your content? What are you trying to accomplish? But like really know the answer to that. Because if you're, if you're waffly on that, then you're going to be waffly on your content creation. Um, beyond that, you need to be true to yourself in terms of what's entertaining to you. You know, uh, it, it's a, an age old thing that people like the, the second book ever written, someone asked, why did you write it? And they're like, cause I wanted to read it, but you know, you should be making content that entertains you first and foremost. Cause if you can entertain yourself, oftentimes your toughest critic, then the chances of there being someone else out there that's going to really enjoy it and really dig it is incredibly high. Um, and that's the most important thing. And that doesn't mean that entertaining yourself is going to bring in billions of views, but it's the starting point to say that if the eye of Sauron does look at this video, then it's not going to be, you know, just sort of like a lame video, two views, whatever. Okay. This is something, there's a core here. There's something valuable here. Um, And so be honest with yourself with questions like that and why you're doing what you're doing. Are you trying to build a business? Are you trying to just be a YouTuber? Are you trying to, say something, um, you know, answer these questions, know what those answers are and let that determine some of your next steps. Um, and then lastly, in terms of like when you're actually putting, you know, rubber to the road and, and doing what you're doing is, you know, look at your peers. Every video type has some peer out there right now in form or format or structure. Find audience where audiences already congregate with in the people that you think would congregate under you and see what works, see what connects with them. Um, it's important to understand your peers, you know, potentially from a collaboration standpoint, from a how audiences expect to engage in content standpoint to see what's been done, what's been said, you know, so you don't, you know, if you end up talking about a, a tried and true topic that you have some unique voice and unique perspective to offer something um, and, and just really be present in the community because, you know, you might be you in your own little island and your own sort of person. But to an audience member, you're just one of an army of potential clicks when I search for what I search for. So you have to assume that they have watched a lot of other content that's in your periphery. And knowing what your audience is watching and knowing what's working within that audience is a really good way for you to start iterating towards that. Don't copy anything. Don't just don't just like take things wholesale, but iterate, take it and and make it your own. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really good first step point. And I see a lot of people have a lot of success um, by understanding the the sort of microcosm community that you specifically want. Um, and then once you can kind of get some traction there, then you can grow, then you can build it out into other directions. And, uh, and, you know, who knows sky's the limit, you know, uh, a lot of these niches have ceilings in terms of how many people are reasonably going to be watching or looking at stuff. Maybe you're the first, you know, uh, train conductor doing, sanitation wiping down of train cars channel that gets a million subscribers, you know, like there's, there's always a first. So uh, that's another part of the niches and the groups that I think people get a little concerned about as they look around and they do that exercise and they're like, Oh wait, no one has more than 10,000 views and no one has more than, you know, a hundred thousand subscribers in this. Is this even worth putting the time and effort into? Mm. The answer is always yes. 
if you care about it. Uh, and, uh, and, and don't worry, don't look at that vanity stuff. Look at, just look at how the audience is being engaged with and talking to and, and either fill a, a white space that isn't there or iterate on what's working. So you can be the leader in that space. And I mean, we get a lot of people tell us, um, you know, oh, you know, I want to be the next vlogger. I'm looking at Casey Neistat and he does something like this, but I'm not getting the same results or I'm not getting the same results as Jenna Marbles and stuff like that. I mean, there is a difference though when you get to a certain level comparing people, you know, at a mega status compared to people who are starting out, there are differences in how the audiences interact, right? Some of those rules that apply to them don't apply to you. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say the rules don't apply. I just, I just think you, you think back to the levers stuff, right? So I recently went through a very similar thing with a, um, a podcast group that was emulating Joe Rogan hard, like same thumbnails, same structure of, of everything, same like clip out strategy, just like anything Joe Rogan did, they did. And they have a lot of good numbers on uh, in the podcast universe, but it wasn't translating to YouTube success. And, uh, and and I basically had to go in and break down this like desire to just be like Joe Rogan because at the end of the day, Joe Rogan works not because of the way his thumbnails are, not because of the way he titles it. Like those levers are not switched on for him. He could do it entirely differently and get the same results. The reason why Joe Rogan works is because they're long videos that have incredibly interesting conversations uh, amongst incredibly interesting people. And he has authority and credibility to say, hey, if you see Bernie Sanders on this thumbnail, it's a real thing and it gets people to click on it. Um, so uh, oftentimes super successful channels, highly successful channels have, you know, they've really landed on their audience and there's, and there's one or two things that matter and everything else is just, it could be anything. Um, and you know, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, move a big needle. It's, I mean, it's also true on the flip side, if you're working with those big channels and you're trying to help them and you're like, Oh, well I can change this about your thumbnails and this and that. And it doesn't matter because, Oh, maybe you have 75% subscriber viewership and you're essentially in an, in an echo chamber where nothing you do strategically, uh, matters. Um, it's all in content and you have to have content changes to affect viewership changes. Um, and, and, and so it's a spectrum and it all kind of lands on it. But uh, but I, I never liked the idea that uh, that there's a certain set of rules for a certain group of people. We're all playing with the same rules. They just have different advantages that you don't have. And, you know, some are some are earned advantages in terms of scale of audience and, and what they do. Some are unfair advantages because, you know, circumstance um, and some are advantages that have nothing to do with anything that can be controlled. Could just be timing, could just be, uh, you know, so-and-so's brother is Tom Hanks. So you get a Tom Hanks cameo every two videos and that blew him up like those are things that are unstrategizable and and have so much undue impact on the bottom line that uh, that it kind of then also then goes back to the idea that there's not one perfect strategy um, and you have to just find what works for you. Well, I've got a question and this is around audience development. How do people who are listening to this, people who have channels, what should they be doing to find out what their audience wants so that they can build and grow an audience and not just viewers? Great question. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different things. So I'll just in no particular order talk about a couple of them. Um, one is communicate with your audience. You know, the YouTube offers some good tools in terms of community tab. If you have enough uh, scale of audience to access that um, in video, 
you know, other social media platforms. Um, you know, if you're setting up something like a Patreon, like a lot of the reasons why stuff like that works so well is because the easiest thing to give a Patreon person is early access and ability to, to, put their fingerprints on content, like vote for the next topic or vote for the thing we discuss next. Um, and those are all extensions of this, of communicating with the audience. And, and first and foremost, you have to open up as many lines of communication as possible um, it, it, wherever you can. And at first it's going to be a trickle. And I know a lot of people who, you know, have small channels and literally reply to every single comment and are trying to start conversations and stuff. Um, but uh but you just have to keep at it. And then if you're not getting the results you want, then you need to experiment. You need to try new things. You need to move the needle somehow. And if you're doing the same thing over and over again, it's not going to necessarily just change overnight unless something else changes. Um, so that I think is, is, is key. Um, you know, understanding that you're not an Island, you're not a silo that, 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 you know, other YouTubers exist and matter to your audience. Um, you know, a long time ago, YouTube was making a big push on the idea of curating other people's content. Like I think they wanted like power users to come in and be tastemakers and like put playlists together. And then people would share playlists. Like they would, you know, share a music playlist or something like on a Spotify that never really came to fruition, but there's a nugget of that. That's really interesting. And that's, you know, if you're a, a channel, like pull a list of videos that you think your fans are going to like, give them something on your homepage. That's variety. And that makes them want to come back. Yeah. You know, try something new experiment with that, you know, incorporate that into your content too. do some free promo for stuff that you like, and you know, your audience is going to like, uh, because you know, that engages with them. You're, you're, you're kind of then looking at, the YouTube platform in the same way they're looking at it and, and, and people connect with that. So, so that's important. Um, you know, not ever being afraid of a failure. So like, I don't know if I want to make this change or try this thing because I don't, I think that's going to ruin my algorithm and ruin my views there. Like it's true that a smaller channel, like one change will have a slightly larger outsized effect than uh, other channels. And there are certainly times where you might step in a landmine and you're like, Oh, I changed my release date from, or my release time from 6 30 AM to 10 30 AM. And all of a sudden half my views dropped off because little did I know India was a major viewership <laughs> funnel for me and they were watching early. Like, I mean, sometimes that'll happen. And that was, that actually happened to me. So that's why I was that specific about it. Um, but the, the thing is like, I see so many people not experimenting, not trying or sitting on an idea because they're worried about that. They want to like, Oh, we got to make it the perfect scenario and, and just make it work. And, uh, and just get out of your way, you know, D try it, do it. YouTube is such a valuable platform for experimentation. You know, uh, any negative impact algorithmic, you know, is not forever. You know, if, if, if it's so fragile, your algorithmic profile, that one change means no one will ever see your content again, then you've got bigger issues issues that one change was going to be you're you're not connecting with your audience the right way to begin with um so so yeah that's that's a big one too is, is just like embracing change embracing experimentation and getting out of your own way that is a very good tip because we know there are a lot of creators who are you know who are, well, they don't know how to engage with the audience and then the other thing is they're sometimes too frightened to actually experiment a little bit 
And you know what? Those those people are wonderful people. They're they're their hearts in the right place. They're trying their best, and they're doing what seems like all the right stuff. And, and so that's what kind of makes it. It would be so much easier to just clown on everybody. And be like, oh, you, you're so silly. Get out of it. But it's like no. Like these people care the most and are the ones that are most likely to do something really special if they can find that audience. So, you know, it, it's important to nurture it in the right way. So th this one's another one of those sort of harder ones to have a conversation about because I feel like, you know, it, you need a little tough love sometimes, but sometimes tough love can, can break will. And, and that's never what we want to do. Exactly. Hey, uh, well, we are actually out of time, believe it or not. It, it just seemed to fly by, but um, look, before we uh, finish off, we always ask, um, do you have any, any great tips for like you know new emerging creators or creators of, of any size really uh, going forward? What are your best tips for them? Right now, really, it's a, the, this is a tip if you have some success. Uh, I'll give it that this because I think it's something that's going to be a really important talking point in the next year to two years. But uh, figuring out new ways to use your library, understand that your library is an asset; it's not done, even if it's very time specific content. You have value in every bit of that. Um, and no one has really embraced what that means yet in terms of, you know, is there syndication opportunity? Is there, you know, compilation and, and, and new asset creation opportunity? You know, is there, you know, something where you can give your fans, you know, stuff to maybe remix and try out and, and do stuff like you know, your library once a video is done, it does not become this inert bit of your past history that just exists on an on-demand platform. You know, your library can be thriving thing. And I know this is a very top line, but think of it even in terms of like Friends or The Office, these big giant shows that still get hundreds of millions of dollars for exclusive rights to stream them. They're all this old library stuff that they're making money hand over fist on because they simply own it and people want to keep watching it. If you made stuff in 2013 that was fun and funny and engaging and entertaining, th there's nothing about the fact that it was made in 2013 that means someone in 2020 isn't going to want to see it. And so, you know, YouTube doesn't do a really good job of, of, of bubbling that stuff up. And I know they're trying and it's kind of part of the stuff we talked about earlier with that loyalty thing. Um, so how do you do it? You know, is what can you do to, to, to shine that light on that library? And then what can you do within other platforms to start thinking intelligently and interestingly about what your library can do for you outside of just being this weird thing that sits on your channel and generates this weird legacy viewership that no one knows where it seemingly comes from, you know, seem, you know, hundreds of thousands of people still watching these old viral videos from, you know, 20 years ago, or 10 years ago. Um, what you, where does that come from? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, it, it, that's what libraries are to people now. And, and I, I think we're going to you know move into a, a world where, you know, every asset you create has a tangible piece of value to it. And I think that once we can kind of figure out the right way to utilize that, we're going to see a lot of really cool diversification and monetization opportunities. And we're going to see some really creative people do some really cool things to keep it all alive. Well, mate, thank you so much. That was actually very, very insightful. Thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, hopefully you can come back in the future and, and talk to us a little bit more. I know you're involved with some of our programs coming up. It'll be great to chat to you in, in more detail there, but uh, yeah, mate, thanks so much. And uh, well, hopefully see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, you, uh, you might've made the biggest mistake of your life inviting me back. Cause uh, <laughs> I'll be there. I'll keep coming. <laughs>
This was, I, I, I unloaded one percent of the ability of me to talk about this stuff. So, so there's plenty, plenty more in the future. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks, Wally. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Create a generation. Look on the mic.